Hey followers, welcome back. You might have noticed that Kristen and I have not released an episode in two weeks, and there is a reason for that. There is... The Black Lives Matter movement has been a huge part of current events and both in our country, in the world, and we really wanted to hold off on releasing the episodes that we had recorded already and wait until we could have an episode about the Black Lives Matter movement and really have people on that can speak to their personal experiences and educate us and inspire you, educate you. Yeah, I I think you're exactly right, Dana. It's something that as an educator in a predominantly black community, I was have been exposed to for about three to four years now. And, you know, it's it's easy when it's front and center to be aware of it, to work on it. And I have been reawakened. You know, I was I've been on maternity leave with my daughter, so I haven't been in the community. Um, as much as I had been, obviously, when I'm teaching every day and I see students' faces every day, but that doesn't make it right to forget that there are major issues, including with the educational system in our country right now, and some that I'm, I'm sort of thankful I am out of the education world at the moment because it took me that time to then look into the educational system and, wow, really see what's going on, listening to Jane Elliott over the past few weeks um, while this Black Lives Matter movement is resurging and my passion is re-energized. And I know that that is a privilege that I didn't have to think about it for two years. Um, While I've been away from the school system, I know that that is, you know, to me, uh, it's unfortunate for me. You know, I feel almost guilty. I feel guilty about that. But there is no excuse anymore to sit back, to not think about it, to not educate my children about it, to not take action about it. Um, But really something that awakened me over the past couple weeks is how this system of racism is ingrained in our society. The conversations that I've been having, the lessons that I've been learning you know, I'm sending my son off to kindergarten next year, and after listening to Jane Elliott, like, that's the age where our educational system starts, in her words, training our children. And I I really believe that, training our children to see their whiteness as a, a, a power, as a betterness, and we only teach about white history, really, and we brush upon other things but it's extremely important to start now. Like, forget about what you didn't get to do or what you forgot about or what you've been ignoring. Like, just start now and start with your circles. Mm-hmm. Start with, I'm starting with my family. I'm starting small. I'm starting with this podcast. I'm starting by listening. Starting by just starting again or restarting, reigniting. And, you know, we can live in shame and guilt and fear and, and hide behind that, or we can just start by fumbling and getting our, our hands dirty, having very real, authentic conversations, listening to um, speakers, to your community members, and then taking the action that you feel is best. For me, it's 100% going to be education, whether that's my own classroom or my, mm-hmm. my kids. So it's, it's 
been good, I think, for us to take this pause and to really start fumbling with it and start wrestling with it ourselves. It's been definitely meaningful silence. And I know that silence has been um, kind of viewed as as agreement. And I want to make it very clear that on this podcast, we do not agree with racism. We do not. We, we stand with the Black Lives Matter movement and we just have been trying to figure out the correct way to go about it on our business page. We wanted to figure out how we were going to go about this in a way that we can really touch the most hearts and talk to some really amazing people. And, you know, I've said this before, like it feels like this time is different for some reason. I don't know why it feels so different. I don't know why my eyes weren't open wider sooner, but they're open. They're wide open and my ears are open and my heart is open. And I'm really excited to bring you guys we have this, I would say, like a little mini-series um, covering the Black Lives Matter movement, covering systemic racism in this country, talking to people who have experienced it personally. So to the point of taking some time off to kind of research our own, our own part in this, Dana was at a protest in Glastonbury, Connecticut, um, that was organized by local young women of color there. And one of them, Shanoa Williams, is going to be on this episode. And she shares her insight as, I, I'm excited because she's younger. Um, and most of our guests have been um, older. So she has a fresh perspective and fresh ideas, honestly. And I think, and not to discredit in any way youth, but to be this this young, 19 years young, and speak with such power and grace and despite fear and anxiousness uh she speaks very well and organized something tremendous with over 3,000 people that showed up to support the Black Lives Matter movement so I'm very happy to introduce Shanoa Williams I know Dana is super excited as well and let's let's dive in Yeah. First, want to thank you so much for doing this. I'm super grateful to you, and I'm like in awe of the fact that you organized this entire thing yourself and in some. I don't know how many other people it was because I wasn't there, but Dana knows a little bit yeah. more. So, can you tell us a little bit about that? Of course. This happened like I don't know, like two weeks ago, like a week ago. I can't even remember. <laughs> But like, sure, it's a I was just yeah. texting. Yeah, I was just texting my friend Arden, and I was like, "Um, should we do a protest?" And she was like, "Sure, we should do." It. I'm like, "Oh, okay." I at first I'm like, "Okay, this is probably just a thought. Like, I'm pretty sure this is not going to go as planned." And then it started getting serious when I asked um, our friend Kennedy Williams to help us, and then I asked Katie Fury to help us, and I asked Tamashi, and then I obviously. I told my friend Erin Malakowski to um, help with us because she's like very big on her activism and like she knows her privilege and she loves like helping people and loves educating people and especially educating like the right, the white race as well Mm -hmm. to know Mm -hmm. their privilege and know that what's happening to black and brown people in society is fucked up. 
But yeah, and um, then we made a group chat and then we talked about what we should do, how should we plan it, what date. Um, Tomashi and Kennedy and Katie helped with the connection, so I'm really proud of that. And then they made the Facebook page and I posted it on my Snapchat and I posted it on my Instagram because I already been like an activist, like even like before this whole protest even started with either it was sexism, um, FGM, which is female genital mutilation, which really sucks. And it does not happen in third world countries. It happens here too. Um, Sex workers, et cetera, the LGBTQ plus community, um, trans people, trans rights, all of that. I've been posting all of that since I got Instagram. So, um, this like whole protest thing was like a plus and like I told myself to like have like the same mindset as Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and Angela Davis because those are the three um inspirational people I look up to so what would you say that mindset is um not being scared uh not being afraid going um Afraid of, afraid of afraid of what um just like getting killed or getting arrested because whenever a black person speaks out or stick up for themselves it turns out for the worse mm. and that was my fear even though i do even though i'm a black woman i do have like skin privilege so i don't get looked down upon as my brother or say Kennedy because I am white skin. But um the point still stands. Like I'm still scared of the police, believe it or not. Because going into history, for example, in Alabama, um there were some teenagers protesting, quote unquote protest protesting, literally just sitting in a diner. Um and then these white teenagers started started antagonizing him for no reason. All of them. Uh spitting at them, throwing food at them, and officially fighting them. So sometimes I feel like protesting peacefully is it, not working anymore because we've been doing this mm-hmm. since the nineteen sixties, since the eighteen hundreds. So when people be like, oh black protesters are starting this riot. But, like, even if we did, we had enough. We had enough of the hate. We had enough of the abuse. We had enough of the racism. And it's just, like, it's tiring at this point. It's emotional. It's exhausting. Um, it's We feel it from our ancestors. We feel it, like, in our blood that this generational trauma still exists. Like, I sometimes I can barely watch Roots. I can barely watch Rory. I can barely look at the hundreds of unsolved Black cases because they will be trending on Twitter and Instagram and sometimes they can't look. It's, just, it's too much because we've been through so much. We're just breathing. And then if you think about it, like, Black people literally created everything. and then. Some people just want to appropriate our culture. 
So you want to appropriate our culture, but then you still want to keep calling us the N-word. Then you still think that we're thugs. Then you still think we be still stuff. And it's just, then you think we're overreacting when we get mad. So it's just, it makes no sense to me to this day. Yeah, it feels like damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, that's extremely frustrating. And something important that you said to me, and I I hope this doesn't sound like, like I'm brushing it off. You're willing to put your life on the line. But to me, it sounds like you don't have a life because it's everything gets taken from you. Everything about your culture gets taken. Yeah, for real. And then like, I call people out on it and then they act like it's not a big deal. Like I posted a influencer, a British influencer, uh, she was dark, darker than me, the same color as my cousin, who is black and Puerto Rican. And I called her out, I'm like, um, I'm really to educate you and not do modern day blackface or blackfishing, where you uh, darken your skin a little, a little too dark, um, and then you just go about your day and act like this doesn't go on you when there's something in it. And then, like, by the way, this is a British influencer. So I had like a bunch of like um, British people like come down on the post like, no one cares in the UK that, no one cares how darker you are. I'm like, excuse me? Y'all the ones who created racism. Did I miss something? Like, it just, it makes no sense to me how, like I get this like, like people who are Italian and there's a naturally skin. That's all skin. That's different than totally like change your whole skin color and then some other dude said something like oh black people bleach the skin black people wear like blonde wigs um no first of all like in some of these countries like the caribbean um those countries over there in africa like who like white people literally um took over those countries and then then they see people who are superior to them, like not superior, but um, are lighter to their complexion because being white is superior and um, it's an insecurity. It's normal for black girls and black um, women and black men feel that way, but it's not normal for a white person to darken their skin, if that makes sense, because we dark-skinned men and women get made fun of all the time for the skin, but yet you see them do- doing blackface. You see them tanning hella dark. So it's just like it makes it literally makes no sense to me. Like I don't get it whatsoever. Well, I can. I've been thinking a lot about um, the frustration that I'm seeing, and um, really, like it just. I think I said this to you on the phone when we initially talked that it just. This time, this time, it just seems different. It just feels like the whole, I mean, literally the whole world seems to be on the side of Black Lives Matter. And -hmm. you see protests, global, global protests about this. And um, people really taking the time to educate themselves and to watch documentaries like the 13th, to read and listen to audiobooks about this about the racial disparity in America. And so I've been thinking a lot about it. And obviously I have no concept of what it's like to be a black woman in America. I'm white. 
I'm blonde. Like my family, family is Swedish, English, and Irish. It's like as white as you can be. And yeah. I, so I have no idea. Right. But I can understand being a woman. I can understand the frustration in that. I think all three of us on this zoom call has experienced sexual harassment. It happens all yeah. the time. It happens all the time. and it is enough to make you lose your mind a little bit when you if if you were to see that happen to a woman on camera time and time again get abused by a man or get talked down to by a man or harassed by a man it would be enough for us to have a global protest if it had been happening which it has for centuries right so i'm not black but i can understand that frustration because i think i would be feeling this that as well if it were happening to women on camera all the time by men the way that it's happening to black people in this country all the time on camera by white police officers or white vigilantes or um it's extremely sickening it's sickening um what's happening and i think more and more people are really seeing that and um Mm -hmm. i i wanted to have you on here because you know Kristen and I we had a few episodes we could have released and we just both felt like we can't talk about anything other than Black Lives Matter right now we don't want to be two white women sitting down on a podcast talking about birth or talking about the other topics that we have that we have Mm -hmm. to release Um, right now is the time for us to to listen and give black black people a voice on this platform. And you used your voice really powerfully at the March for Justice this Sunday. And I heard you, you and it was extremely emotional being there and inspiring. And I was there with all of my coworkers and we were all blown away by you guys. And um, I was hoping that you would read your speech either right of now course. or we can edit it and put it you know at the very beginning or the end um, and you can read it another time but I would love it if our listeners could hear what you said because it was extremely moving of course okay hi my name is Chanel Williams I'm here to represent the black LGBTQ plus community I'm a proud black queer woman there is no representation for the black LGBTQ plus people here in Glastonbury More than 100 Black trans women were murdered in 2019. In 2020, 12 Black trans people were murdered, half of them killed by the police. One of the most significant cases was Tony McDade, a transgender man who was murdered last month by the police. Black and brown people are targeted in society through the justice system. We get unfair treatment by the ones who are supposed to trust. How can I rely on a police officer when I know he may be influenced by the color of my skin? POC and non-POC, we need your attention. There are black and POC teens attending Glastonbury Public School. All teachers should talk about how black and brown people are mistreated in society. We need more than history teachers talking about it. African-American history needs to be talked about more. Police brutality needs to be talked about more. Our school school system whitewashes important historical events. Teachers should use their privilege for good instead of ignoring it. Teachers are afraid of making their students uncomfortable when talking about racism. 
I'm tired of having my cultural history forgotten because it makes a white it makes white students uncomfortable. My ancestors deserve better. America deserves better. Racism occurs in classrooms as well, more often than you would think. One day, my sophomore year, I experienced a situation in my Spanish class where a student yelled, where is this N-word? He was referring to my Spanish teacher, since our, our teacher wasn't in the room. I didn't know what to do, I simply said, don't say that. What was I supposed to say? Why should I be responsible for educating students on racist words when we have hundreds of teachers who are paid to do that? My mom didn't want this for me. My grandmother didn't want this for me. They knew my brother and I were bound to face racism, but not like this. I shouldn't have to stand here and fight for my life. White people, especially white men, are typically the ones who are most violent. These riots are mostly white people starting up to frame black people as violent. We are not always violent. We are trying to protest and have our voices heard. We are angry because it seems like no one listens. Yes, some riots do start, but not from the people who truly care about this movement. Why do white people get to protest about not getting haircuts and we can't protest about our brothers and sisters being killed? I'm scared. I've cried to my mom about the police who kill innocent black men and women, and I'm afraid that my brother is going to be next. And that is so true because um, when the whole uh, Ahmed Aubrey happened, I was in North Carolina, so I wasn't here. And I was still doing, um, still taking classes for college. And I was staying with my cousin at the time. And I just like cried to my mom while facing her, like I'm scared for Cameron because my brother, like he hangs out with his friends late at night and he has drugs and he starts getting the typical quote unquote thug the police think um, a black man is. So I cried for I don't know how many hours. I stayed up. I didn't know what to do. I was like, why? Why is this happening? My grandparents didn't want this for me. And it's just, it sucks to feel that like, like right now, my brother can be dead on the sidewalk. And he can be in jail for looking like a suspect. Like what they did to Breonna Taylor. They thought the suspect was in her house. The suspect was already in custody and they still killed her while she was sleeping. I think six shots or eight shots, I'm not sure, but it was a lot of bullets. And she died right on the spot and she was an EMT. It's scary to think that your life can be taken away just like that by the color of your skin, by your hair, by your facial structure. And it's just, it's my mind boggling. And it's also mind boggling that there are rappers who use the N-word and then there are white teenagers and white kids thinking it's okay to use that and it's not. Or it's a black kid giving them the N-word pass for them to use, which mm-hmm. there's no such thing as the N-word pass. Like, yeah. there's no such thing. It shouldn't even be I, a trend. I want to just address that because I can hear certain people in my life 
that will say, well, why is it okay? And, and I'm just being devil's advocate here and I'm just getting the answers that people are probably listening to this and going, well, why can't I use that? Rappers use that. And can you, I, I would like for you to speak to that a little bit and something that else that came up <clears throat> when you were um, repeating your speech was that um, your mother and your grandparents did not want this for you. And in my brain, I was sort of thinking like, and I, again, I'm, I mean this with all of your respect and just curiosity, did your parents think that moving to a community like Glastonbury would help keep you safe and perhaps prevent some of the awful things that could happen and all this worry and heartache that you're feeling about your brother being killed? Um, so I have those two questions sort of came up while you were talking. Um, well, I moved here uh, when I was five and we're literally right on the East Hartford border. But um, my mom looked into the school system and she thought it was a school, good school system. I went to Nauvoo school, elementary school. I went to, <laughs> I went to Gideon Wells and Smith. Um, and then high school happened. And I do believe they knew that was that my brother and I were going to face racism, but like I said, not like this, not to the to certain extent. And um I get bothered by a lot of things. I always since I was younger, um so I my mom probably thought that I was gonna be sensitive to this, which I am, and she is too. But um, it bothers her, but not to like to the point where she's like freaking out because like if she does that, like she has uh, diabetes and she, if she gets all worked up and stuff, like her heart just like goes really fast. So, but she d is angry. Like I've been hearing, I've been hearing her talk about this like nonstop ever since 2016, since or in 2012, since Trayvon happened, like. Um, in I was in elementary school at the time, and I had a black teacher, and he was a family friend, so it made it 10 times easier. Uh, we all wore hoodies throughout the day, and then our gym teacher was like, why are you wearing hoodies? Because you weren't, so you weren't allowed to wear them. And we were like, well, we're doing it to represent Trayvon Martin. And he was like, oh, okay. It was like this, is when you were in element, this is when you were in elementary school? Yeah, I was in fifth wow. grade. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, he definitely made it a point that we had to learn about African-American history. And it was amazing to see it because everyone in my class was so, like, they were interested in it. And they mm -hmm. didn't understand why a mother and her child was being sold. Because there's a picture in the, the history book of a mother and a child, and they're standing on, like, this wooden thing. I remember the picture, too. And, like, all these, like, white men and women are just, like, looking at her um, and auctioning her off. So, and they were asking all these questions. I was just like, wow. Because my class was mixed. We had Black, Latina, white, European kids. Chinoa and I are both from Glastonbury. And Glastonbury is, I thought Glastonbury was 10% minority, but I learned at the protest that mm -hmm. it's more like 5%. 
And Nabuk, Nabuk, the school that Shanoa was just talking about is an elementary school. And it's the elementary school that I went to as well. And it's known as like the only diverse elementary school. So think about that, that in this town, this, it's a pretty affluent town, 5% minority, roughly, right? And mm-hmm. one elementary school holds most of that minority. Yeah. No other elementary. I mean, I didn't. And, and to your point, talking about learning about it at a young age, I had no, I mean, I was so ignorant. I had no concept of racism, of homophobia, any, literally, I thought it was no big deal. Like I thought if somebody told me they were gay, I was like, cool, I don't care. What's the big deal? Like, I didn't know that that was even that people received hatred or they received um, just they were treated differently for being black or being Hispanic or being gay until I went mm-hmm. to college. I went to college in, in the South and then I lived in Los Angeles and I went to, I took some college classes out there and I'm talking, I'm 21 years old or 22 years old taking a college course. And it was the first time that I learned that slavery was part of the wider economic system of America. And that Abraham Lincoln, yes, he ended slavery, but that it was actually like one of the reasons that the, this whole civil war happened was because it was like an economic, it was like the economic system of this country was slavery. And like, maybe that was touched on when I was in high school and middle school, but like I had, it's because the history class I took was taught by a Mexican American woman, a lesbian woman. She was a first generation Mexican woman in this country and the only one in her family to get a college education. She got her PhD and she made it her mission to know, to teach us the history from the perspective of the oppressed. And it was the first class I ever took where she gave us a different perspective on Native Americans, on slavery, on all of that. And this is when I'm 22 years old in a college class. This is not at all in my elementary school. This is not at all in my middle school, in my high school. I had no concept that racism was an issue in this country until I went to school in South Carolina. And I met some of the most amazing people in my life there. And I also met some people there that are, were definitely racist definitely homophobic, definitely thought, you know, that we're not, I did not have shared values with them. And that's really where I learned that it's still alive and well. And it took until I was 18 years old to learn that, you know? And so I think you're making a really important point. And I think it's, you know, can you talk, can you talk a little bit more about Glastonbury and, um, you know, being raised here as part of that 5% and what that, what that's like for you and what that was like for you? Um, well, I live in the neighborhood, and it's called Wallyoop Village, and, um, since middle school and high school, it's claimed to be as the ghetto of Glastonbury, and it's not whatsoever, nothing barely even happens here, once in a blue moon, and it just sucks, because a lot of kids, like, it's like we live here, and they think we don't use etiquette whatsoever. Um, and I just find it really strange and weird. And like, even they asked my friend who is Ghanaian and she doesn't even live here. She lives in um, East Hartford. They, she, they asked her if she lived in Wallace and she's like, no, I don't live there. So it's just like a very stereotypical, stereotypical thing that a lot of um, 
team to ask, white team to ask a black student or a Hispanic student. And it's just very annoying. And when going to like Whole Foods, uh, I went there and I felt so uncomfortable because I felt like I was being stared at. And all I wanted was macaroons, MLT, that's it. <laughs> and I just feel like we, me and my friends, we felt like we were being scared, mm-hmm. stared at. Um, and then at a park, because we have a park in our neighborhood, um, sometimes they have like, they have a baseball um, field and sometimes people from like South Foster, East Foster, they come over here and they watch your kids uh, practice baseball, et cetera. And like we were sitting with my brother's friends who play basketball over from East Hartford. And um, I think this teenager was like cousin or whatever. And like the guy turned around to all of us and said like, like was trying to speak in Spanish, but was very ignorantly. And they're like, what the heck are you doing? Like what we, we're not Spanish. Spanish, so it's just it was really it was a very uncomfortable feeling um and just I don't know it just seems like a lot of students at DHS sometimes they fetishize um black students black especially black boys um because they think that they're so cool or whatever they're like oh i want to hang out with you and that goes within like the white boys as well like oh let's hang out blah, 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 let's smoke or something which not everyone does um so that's a little stereotypical and then if we get angry because i had an incident before when we were at the football game these we were the glass was playing east hartford at the time and the East Hartford like side, some boys came over to our side, and the guys were uh, people who were like sitting on the bleachers, like they were antagonizing them. And I'm like, what? That? Why are you doing that? And then this girl, I'm not gonna be her name, she knows her name, but she posted, uh, they're at McDonald's. She posted it that, oh my God, the boys are here. Okay, and they're not to bother you. Like, why are you so scared? And I was the only one sticking up for those boys in the group chat because there was a group chat about it on Facebook. And then this guy was like, don't, I think he said, be quiet or he said something on the lines, stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance and then to stop talking and didn't say anything. And then this other kid was like, why are you so worried about I'm blacker than you? And it's just like, that's when whitewashing comes when they don't see and a black person don't see what's wrong with the situation obviously that white girl was scared of that black boy coming like in mcdonald's think that she he's gonna do something get angry at her when he literally just went in and didn't do anything and that same black boy knows now that those same people who kept coming at me for being mad um they came at him for posting about Black Lives Matter, and now they're not friends. Hmm. So that's what that's really you have. That's what happens in Las There's a lot, a lot of whitewashed black people here, and I tried my best to educate them. I educated my brother on it because at first he didn't understand, but now he does. Um, and that's why teaching about African American history is so important. I had to learn by myself. I asked my mom. I asked my great aunts, my great godmother about my history and stuff. I basically I learned it by myself, which is not which is okay, but it's um overwhelming. Um 
I remember watching Roots with my grandmother one time and uh, in her apartment, and it was just very, like, it was a lot to take in. Um, also, I feel like it's more, uh, I feel like it's important for to have, like, a Black, African-American um, history teacher, some white, an African, a white teacher who teaches I mean, African-American studies or history. Mm-hmm. Like, believe me, I loved my history teacher. Um, her name was Mrs. Queen. I love her. If she's listening, I love you. I miss you. <laughs> um, she was so nice, so welcoming. And, but I do feel like it's appropriate for a Black it's a yeah it's a different it's it's it'll give i think a more um holistic view of history right and not such not a one-sided view because you know i up until again i was probably a teenager i thought christopher columbus even was this amazing guy like there's just some things that you don't things are just glorified and you you learn from the victor you learn the victory side you don't learn about the people that were losing you don't learn about the people that were being abused and that were being hurt, um, especially growing up because they just want to sugarcoat everything. You know, like That's it's hard. It's a really, it's a really do. hard thing to teach. I can't imagine, you know, Kristen, you've have two kids and having to teach your kids that it's, it's ugly. It's, you know, there's some well, ugly parts to our history. Well, Shanoa, it's something that you said, and I'm sure it's overwhelming in a different way for you hearing the history. But just trying to open my eyes, I was listening to Jane Elliott, who is a white woman who did the blue-eyed, brown-eyed experiment in her third grade classroom. Um, mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Um, brilliant experiment. Can you um, explain it? Can you explain eye-opening? it, Kristen? Yeah. So um, Jane Elliott has been doing this since um, the day after Martin Luther King Jr. was shot, um, which brings me back to what you were talking about with economics. He was. He's always been a passionate speaker, or he had always been a passionate speaker, but he knew he was putting his life on the line when he made it about economics. And I'm not going to speak any more about it because I need to educate myself more before I dive into that. Um, mm-hmm. But the day after he was he was murdered, um, to be blunt and honest, um, she went into her classroom and she was like, "How am I going to honor his legacy?" basically, um, and teach these kids that what happened is not right. So she was a blue-eyed white woman teaching a room full of third graders, and she said, all right, everybody with brown eyes, you're the smartest people in the room. You get to go in line first. You're the line leaders. You get to sit in the front of, like, you know, whatever privilege she could give them, you know, to Mm -hmm. a third grader that might be different than what you and I might think. But, Mm -hmm. and then anyone with blue eyes was, stupid or you know whatever she used for that and and one of the kids caught on she said her student's name was debbie debbie caught on right away well mrs elliott you have blue eyes how can you be the teacher in the room if you have blue eyes and she saw how quickly the fire you know when you when you give these kids the power of you have brown eyes so you're smart you have blue eyes so you're not um how quickly it spread and the kids ran with that power or fell victim to that place of disempowerment. Um, and then she, she let it go for that day. And then the next day she brought them back. I, and I'm, I hope I'm not just quoting it. Um, but she then said, you know, I was 
I was not being honest. That is not the truth, but I want you to learn from this. And then the next day, the kids were like, I'm so sorry. You know, they were Mm -hmm. hugging each other and they felt so bad for the way they had treated each other. It's like that took 24 hours. And we, black people have been treated this way for 450 years. 450 years. It wasn't like this happened in 24 hours or 200 years or 24 days. It's been generations, generations. And I would encourage any listener um, to listen to Jane Elliott. She's very articulate um, among many other resources that I hope that we get to touch upon. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say like just listening to her, learning that our map, our, our freaking world map, is not even an accurate map that the way that it's depicted i i am 35 years old and i am today years old that i learned that our map is not an accurate depiction of to scale the land mass right but like back to when talking about like racism in school uh it's very important and i encourage I'm going to speak to all teachers out if anyone listening, because I know there's some teachers that are listening. Like, you guys need to educate yourself. Like, your homework for this break is to educate yourself on how Black and Brown people are treated. And even within the LGBTQ plus community. Who cares if you're going to get it wrong? There's going to be one person, one friend, um, one family member, et cetera, who's going to educate you. It's important that you get it wrong and fix that mistake and correct it and move on and educate others. That's very important. That's important in this whole lifetime and this whole situation that we're going through right now. I just want to pause because what you said is extremely important to me. I'm a mom. I'm an educator. And I, I am in a community where you could say I'm influencing other people as a yoga teacher. And Mm -hmm. I'm okay with getting it wrong. I'm totally okay with getting it wrong. But what would it look like to you for, for me as all, all intensive purposes, I'm a white woman. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm technically part native American, but to me, I'm a white woman. I was, I was raised in a white household, white values, whatever. Mm -hmm. But what I am just curious what that would look like, because I think it's important that yes, I can get it wrong, but I want to be as as good or as I won't be perfect, but as knowledgeable, as um, as forthright, honest um, that I can be in in doing what is right to undo as much as I can. It's not going to happen in my lifetime. It will mm-hmm. hopefully my son will help and it'll get paid forward. But what mm-hmm. would that look like to you as a student in my I'm a French teacher, but let's say it was math or something that wasn't history. What would that look like to you as a comfortable student in, in my classroom or, or any classroom? What can we do? Um, I feel like first things first, you should acknowledge that you have white privilege. Like, say if we were in a first year of school. Hi, everyone. I am a white teacher. My name is So-So. I have white privilege. We're living in a, in a comfortable um, state right now where everyone, every black, brown person is being targeted. They always have, and they always will. But I would like to point out that there will be no racist, ignorant, bigoted terms, words used in this classroom or in the school alone. Um, 
I will continue to educate myself on this com this community and this issue that's going on right now, race racist injustice, um, because I don't know anything about it. And I'm slowly learning. And I would love for any students to come up and educate me more on this issue and whatever I can do to help. And I will soon to talk to my fellow teachers about this issue because everyone in this school should talk about it with their students and should um shouldn't be afraid or shouldn't be uncomfortable to talk about it. Just know that you have to that I as a white person should I have the privilege to um not feel any racist um words said to me or I can make uh be made fun of for my skin color. So if I were you, I would say those exact words. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. It's important. Um, yeah, I just had to process that. Um, going back to getting it wrong. I think that's so many people's fear right now. I know it's my fear. I know it's Kristen and I on this podcast, having this podcast. We haven't really been on Instagram on the podcast. We have been very quiet. We um, we want to do this right. And we've wanted to, to honor what's happening in this country right now. And we have been doing it silently as a podcast. We have been listening to other podcasts about this topic. We have been reading books. We have been reading articles. And I think so many people fear getting it wrong, so then they won't speak up. Does that make yeah. sense? So how do you yeah. like, like, you know, I, one of my greatest friends from when I lived in Los Angeles is a black man, but I was talking to him about it. Like, how do I handle this? Like, what the hell do I do? How do I help? How do I, like, I feel like just posting to Instagram is not exactly like, what is that going to do really? But then I also feel like I shouldn't not like I should I shouldn't stay quiet on Instagram, but then I want to post, but then I don't know what to post. And like so him and I had this long discussion on it. Chris, he might come on this podcast actually. Mm -hmm. Um and it is like if you don't have somebody to talk to to bounce these ideas off of that is a minority, like how do you how do you navigate what to post or who to talk to or what to do? Like you know, I saw even our podcast, we, we posted something that said, if you know anybody that can talk to us about civil rights in this country, um, let us know. And then like, you know, a couple hours later, I saw somebody's post that was like, this is not civil rights. This is black lives. And I, it was like, it, I, and I didn't know, I'm not trying to say that they saw our podcast post and then yeah. respond to that at all. But it yeah. felt like, oh, we're trying to do this thing. But then now is that the wrong thing to say? And so it's kind of like this back and forth of like, what do we do? So what do you have? You might not have an answer, right? But do you have a suggestion or an idea on what we as white people can do mm -hmm. and how we can support you, support the Black Lives Matter movement? Yeah. So. I have a friend who, while she was in North Carolina, she did, she literally like dedicated herself to learning about how African Americans are treated in America. She watched Selma. Um, she learned more about Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, um, the whole nine yards. 
So I feel like you have to educate yourself while being a white woman, a white man, or whatever, a white person to educate yourself on how Black people are treated in society. I know it's not a Black person, a Black person shouldn't like educate their white friends or white people, but personally, I love educating people. I love educating people on the things that they don't know much about. I feel like for me, it's very important. It's really important for me to hear their views on things, like what we're doing right now, and know their um, how they feel about it. Um, because that makes me feel like I can explain it better without yelling at you guys or without getting so angry. But I'm more patient in understanding how, yeah, racism, even in history, um, it's not taught, barely taught in schools in elementary school, in middle school, in high school. And yeah, it seems like no one wants to talk about it. And like, I definitely want to change that. Because it's sad that you have to know about African-American history um, when you're in college. It sucks. And even though it was from a first-generation Mexican-American woman, it should be from either from like your, like not your own knowledge, but you should be like able to like educate yourself by reading um by watching videos by listening to podcasts and just like listen to the familiar black people you already know mm-hmm. start off with Martin Luther King start off with like even like Beyonce even Kendrick Lamar NWA listen to those kind of people and he- listen to their interests listen to their point of views and even all the celebrities they're so black people like they still um, face racism on a day-to-day basis so even just starting with those people that you are familiar with with and just going into um like not going to like kind of like going backwards into history you will definitely work your way up to how black people have been treated since the dawn of time and it sucks though because like the first person on this earth was a dark-skinned black person and a dark-skinned Asian person so like it kind of confused me but like you know that's how genetics works so yeah and I want to it's the truth I want to definitely honor your process and the fact that you said you know I didn't get the education in my school you know you Shanoa did not get the education in Glastonbury public schools and I'm sure that's not a Glastonbury thing I'm I'm a teacher in Windsor Connecticut you know I I can guarantee you know I went through Plainville public schools like I didn't get the education that I should have and I'm very well aware that most people of color black people um, Hispanic people Mexicans all have had to go into their own education go into their own family archives or their own books and their own education so I I am very well aware and I I want to, again, thank you for your time for helping educate us because it's just, Mm -hmm. it it does seem like it's another white privilege thing. Like, Oh, I didn't know. And you know, I'm throwing my hands up like, Oh, like, you know, ignorance is not bliss. I think at a time it was, but I'm now I just feel like a fool. (laughs) I feel like I was punked and it's, it's, you know, and then being a teacher, I'm like, this is even worse. You know, I feel like I'm feeding into that system. Um, I will say that I feel like Windsor is taking steps in the right direction. Um, Mm -hmm. But that aside, I think there's something extremely valuable with firsthand accounts, no matter what history is, is being spoken about and firsthand, like real time, like this isn't even history anymore. I think it's humanity 
And there was something that I read probably about three years ago when my district started doing diversity training and social justice work and, and all of that. And there's something that caught my attention as a mom. My son is, is five now. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And it was about being the friend to uh, the white friend of a black person. And I, I hope that this makes sense. The question that I'm asking is like, for your white friends, when let's say you get pulled over in a car, or let's say mm-hmm. there are things being said, what is it that using our white privilege we can do to hopefully prevent anything negatively happening to black people, um, whether male, female, LGBTQ, whoever Mm -hmm. it is, but use our white privilege in those instances to educate, to stand up, to upstand instead of bystand, you know, and and what can I, can we say to, like, what can I say to my son? What can I say to my white students that from your perspective as a black woman would have been helpful to you in situations where you felt uncomfortable? Um, so back to like sophomore year where that teacher, that student said the N word. Um, there's one black kid in my um, class and he's like, didn't say anything he felt uncomfortable so like instead of just like laughing laughing like being uncomfortable just like <laughs> so funny just be like that is inappropriate to say that is a hate word against black people and it should not be tolerated and I would definitely tell the teacher if that happened or tell whoever and then within like a gang stopped by the police um and I'm in the passenger seat or driver's seat or vice versa, I would like, I would like to see or like love to hear that like a white person like uh, would just say, we, our hands are up or our hand or the passenger hand is like their hands on the wheel of he or she or LGBTQ person. Um, they have no weapons, they have nothing, they're coming out of the car, but obviously like very vocal because most of the time we don't have any guns on us. Personally, I feel like guns are dangerous and they scare me. But yeah, most of the time being stopped by a police, like just being the wall for your black friends or uh, your Latino friends, because that does happen, like especially in the Latino community, knowing from, because I have like a lot, uh, Latino friends, like they always people like white people always think that they're from Mexico, which is so stereotypical. Um, so like whenever they're speaking Spanish or the police think that they look Mexican, like they're not. They're Latino American, Latino American, Puerto Rican American, Cuban American, mm-hmm. Dom- uh, Dominican American, etc. Like that should definitely be pointed out into those certain situations yeah yeah and the I, latino community yeah i hear you saying you know it's not and i understand you saying you know it's not my responsibility to teach my white friends about racism and that's the truth it's really our own responsibility to educate ourselves and to hopefully have our teachers educate us going through school but i think that um i don't want to miss out i don't want people to miss out on the opportunity 
to learn from you, <laughs> if that makes sense. Because like, even in your speech, you ended your speech saying, I'm scared. Like, like that hit me. You saying I'm scared. Like that, that brings you right back to like, you're a human being, you're a human being and you're scared because of the color of your skin and what that means to, for other people and putting you in danger when it shouldn't. You're a, you're a scared human being. Like that's so human to me. So while it might not be your responsibility to educate us about the history of this country, the history of racial injustice, the 13th Amendment, things like mm -hmm. that, I, I want you to know how valuable it is for somebody like me to hear you speak and free, to hear you, you know, that speech you read was just amazing. And to hear you talk about your personal experiences, like that to me, it's true. I can do my own education with all of the, all of our history, but for the here and now for current moment, it's powerful. It is powerful to hear you speak from a human level, human emotional level. So I just want to say that, you know, I think, um, yeah, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. After that whole thing happened, I got like so many like good positive feedback and it was very overwhelming, but also very empowering because I kind of got into my activism like at first I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm not gonna like build like my I don't know career out of it, but like I feel like I can like I have like I'm very positive about it and um very driven. And like I said, I I have like a lot of people I can look up to, um, educate myself on my history, my black history, my black LGBTQ plus history, especially. Like it's so beautiful that like my history like literally did that thing. Like we literally created everything. Like the people you listen to, like the genre of music, like we literally created everything. And it's just I don't know. It's like it's such a beautiful thing. And I always get I always have these moments where I'm like, wow, my ancestors did that. My community did that. Like, I don't know. It's cool. It is beautiful. Yeah. I'm I'm curious for you, what do you want to see your grandchildren? Provide you want kids and you don't have to want kids or anything like that. <laughs> but what do you want, you know, two generations from now, even even in your generation, you know, in the next ten years, in the next fifty years? What do you want to see? Mm, I want to see less violence. I want to see more acceptance. I want to see more understanding. I want more people to express themselves. I want more people to be afraid to get something wrong and then being educated on it. I want more people to not wait till they get called out for knowing that they said something bad in the past. I want them to say it first thing first, and then getting educated on it, because a lot of social influencers, I don't know if you know them, but a lot of them, they get exposed by their racist past, and that shouldn't be a norm. If you know you have a platform, and you know you said racist stuff from the get-go, say it first. Don't just wait and act, go about your day, and act like, and hopefully, hoping that that's not going to get get exposed because it is a lot of people have motives for some people and like they want to see if they have a racist past or not and then they actually have a racist past and get, get called out on it but then when a bunch of people are coming to them at once on either twitter or facebook or instagram so i definitely want to see that change like 
knowing that you made a mistake right then and there, getting called out for it, and educating yourself, move on and educate other people. Instead of just waiting one or three or a couple of years and then getting called out on it and then being sad that you got caught out on it and now you're getting bullied by a bunch of black people. Yeah, that's that's definitely something like in the in my young years for sure. You learn that you're no one is born with hatred. No one is born with fear. We're all yeah. born like a blank slate and Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like there has definitely been times in my past that I am not proud of that I I hope I, I feel my heart were not necessarily my words, but the environment that I, I have been in and and mm-hmm. then you learn you you learn that you're your own human, that you can break out of molds, that you don't have to be everything that your family or your friends or like the people that make you popular you don't Mm -hmm. have to stand with that you can be your own person and then what's interesting is when you start to stand on your own you find the other people that are just like you yeah that want to do better in that I, I I think it's super interesting too like the things that you said you know like they're so simple I don't want violence I don't want people to to be happy you know what I mean like they it's just so simple and if we can start to unlearn some of the things that we didn't even realize we had in us or we didn't realize maybe we're wrong because they were accepted in the circle we were in but when we start to really listen to who we are and what we want for ourselves and then maybe even what we want for our our own new circle or our own new families and to make that bigger right like that goodness bigger and that goodness grow like I love that you said you love educating people because you're needed like let's be honest you're needed because we won't we would never know people would never know unless let's be honest a video came out like I won't forget that that meme about you know racism isn't new it's just now being filmed right and yeah and there there was evidence before there were documentaries before there was plenty and we think i I don't know i don't want to speak for other people and i don't think this is thinking for myself because watching things uh, watching movies depicting that violence like i knew those things really happened but Mm -hmm. i i think people put it in like the oh that was in the 60s that wasn't me i didn't do that i would never let that happen but like the reality is it did and what yeah. are we doing now? What is the change that we're making now? I was listening to a podcast, um, Dax Shepard's podcast, and he had Heather McGee on, and she's mm-hmm. a, an economist. And um, they were talking about Black Lives Matter movement and about the systemic racism in this country. Um, and it's something that she studies. And they talked about like, you know, it's so convenient and so easy for us to say that when slavery was happening, we would have been one of those people, an an abolitionist, right? We would have said, I would have like, or during the civil rights movement, I would have sat down next to Rosa Parks. I would have supported her. I would, you know, whatever. But Mm -hmm. what are we going to say a hundred years from now? Are we going to say like, it's happening again. It's happening. The civil rights movement is happening again. So where do we want to be? You know, do we want to be, do we want to be marching with the Black Lives Matter movement or do we want to be a naysayer being like, that's not, that's not like we're, that happened 50 years ago and it's not going to happen again. And we cleaned it up then and it doesn't exist anymore. 
or even worse, like I know there are white supremacy groups that are like flourishing right now. Um, and that's obviously awful. Um, but I do, I do think that a lot of momentum is being gained and I don't, I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, so I want to wrap up here, but Shanoa, we Mm -hmm. want to, we were wondering if you have a, a charity that you would like our listeners to um, donate to or look into yeah. um, or any resources, anything that you want, any last thoughts you want to share with them? Of course. I have a charity in mind. that I said her name at the protest, like, like towards like the end of the protest. It's a nonprofit organization called the um, Masha P. Jackson Institute, founded by L. Earns, I believe that's how you say her name. They protect human rights of Black transgender people, mm-hmm. and uh, also the Black Trans Protesters Emergency Fund, and then the Orca Project, where uh, a collective that seeks to address the global crisis faced by Black trans people by bringing home cooked meals and resources to the community. And the reason why I keep saying Black trans people is because. So many black trans women have been murdered last year, more than a hundred, and no one talks about it. And more are still dying, more are still being abused. And um, it sucks that it's not talked about more, and it needs to be. It has to have the same energy for everyone in our community. Um, and then also bring it back to like what 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 you said, uh, Dana, about um, what would you do if like you were in, it was back in like the nineteen sixties with Rosa Parks and stuff. I feel like people should have the same energy like what happened in nine eleven because everyone would say are so important with nine eleven blah 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 blah, but like um, yes, that's a horrific historical event that happened in America and in this lifetime. But, like, don't say that slavery happened and racism happened uh, hundreds of years ago because it's still happening. Like, slavery, sadly, was still happening back in, like, I think 2013, 2014 in Libya. But that's a whole different story. But, like, slavery is still, I mean, racism is still happening. Um, Blackface, modern-day blackface is still happening. Black fishing is still happening. Um, cultural appropriation is still happening. So it's just like, you can't just not talk about one important thing and then talk about the other. It makes no sense. Yeah, I think it was really important for you to bring that up at the March for Justice this past Sunday um, at mm-hmm. the protest. I, we all, everybody I was with, were really happy that that was talked about and that was brought up, the LGBTQ Black community a lot of kids like I told my mom that I have the privilege for um being a proud queer black woman and like post them for hashtag coming out day because a lot of kids are not in the same position as I am if they were um knowing the circumstances they'll either be killed or be thrown out or like worse getting hunting down or something so I definitely want like it's gonna be so it sounds so cheesy but like I want Black LGBTQ uh, uh, plus kids, Black teens, whatever race, just like know that um, there's always a safe space. There's always a person you can talk to because 
a lot of teens right now probably don't know what their sexuality is or don't know how to tell their parents. And thank God my parent, my mom was accepting. And thank God I have like a lot of accepting family members and friends. But sometimes a lot of um, adults, teens are not in the same place as I am. And like they wait until they're a little bit older to come out or even later come out. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for talking mm-hmm. about that. And thank you so much for coming on. I think it's really important to, to have these discussions and we really appreciate your, your honesty and your, your vulnerability, honestly. Thank you so much for having me. I, I do have one more thing because I want to make sure that the listeners that are hearing your voice and mm-hmm. want to know more about you, um, they know where to find you. So if you're comfortable, if you want to share email, Instagram, Facebook, wherever, whatever, Snapchat, sure. whatever platform you're on, we'll also put that on, on the um, episode and online. I think mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So like my Instagram is Shinoa Janice. It's C-H-E-N-O-A-J-A-N-I-C-E. It kind of sounds like Chinoa Janice, but it's Chinoa Janice. And I just like post about like what's happening. Um, I sometimes post about myself. <laughs> and um, I post a lot on my stories. And I have like highlights of like activisms and like the Met Gala because I am like a fashion nerd. I want to be a fashion designer. And that was so bad. Like that's what I'm majoring in for fashion, merchandising, awesome. um, and marketing. Cool. So I have like the Met Gala highlights and like, I do low-key have an obsession with Sam Smith, so, <laughs> like, and, and as my highlight, there's, like, a story that says fabulous and there's Sam Smith, like, in the, a white robe, so <laughs> I do have them on there. I love them dearly, and I'm saying them because they are non-binary, they recently just came out, and their pronouns are they, them, and there, so, yeah, just point that out before nice. people, like, misgender them because that happens a lot. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your words. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe so that you can hear more episodes like this one coming up.